Well, good morning. Good morning. It is great to be in the house of the Lord this morning, and we've had a really lovely time together so far. So today we're carrying on in our series, our Deolingo series that we have been looking at, and we're going through different words that maybe we don't fully understand, words that are spoken, but we don't really know what they mean. Now, this, I'm including me in this. Since I started my theological training, there have been lots that I have learned and lots of words that I thought meant something, but they actually meant something else. So this is why we are going through this series. So we're going to be talking about, um, uh, sorry, two weeks ago we talked about baptism. What it entails, why we do it, why it, what it signifies. Last week we talked about the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and how our God is three in one. And this week we're going to be having a look at the word alabaster. Now we, bought, we brought our alabaster offerings today, and we saw the video, and how fitting it is this morning to be able to go into that word a little bit deeper. Now, I was brought up, brought up in the Nazarene Church, and I do know what alabaster offering is, but I'm also aware that a lot of other people do not know what alabaster is. The two ladies that I work with during the week, one of them is Free Methodist, one of them is Presbyterian, and I asked them both if they knew what alabaster was, and they both said no. So there are people that do not know what this word is. Maybe, it's a, maybe alabaster is a Nazarene word. Who knows? But just before we delve into it, let's just pray together. Father, clear our minds so that we may hear what you have to say to us today. Take away all distractions so that we can focus on your word. For it's in your name we ask it. Amen. When someone says to me the word treasure, my mind automatically goes to pirates. Men with eye patches, wooden legs, and maybe a parrot sitting on their shoulder. Ships with big seals, carrying gold or jewels, beads, precious items that they keep in a big treasure chest. Now, I know that's very stereotypical, but that's where my mind goes to. And if I can't find anything to watch, I love to stick on the Pirates of the Caribbean series. I could just sit and watch them for hours and hours. Adventures on the sea, skullduggery, mischief, sword fights, finding the loot, the treasure. Well, this morning we're going to talk about treasure, but it's not the type of treasure that you see in the movies. Because treasure, like many other words in the English language, can mean different things to different people. Anything that is limited in availability gives it more value. You see, limitations assign value. If everyone here in the church owned a Ferrari or a Ford Mustang, those cars wouldn't be as special as what they are. When average Joes like ourselves see a Ferrari sitting at the traffic lights, we have to take a look and admire its beauty. Where there are only a few, they become more precious. Now, my mum worked in a jeweler's whenever she was still at school. And when her and my dad decided to get married at the very young age of 16, um, she was able to get an engagement ring that was specifically designed for her. A one of a kind, no other ring like it. And because it was so rare, 
it had immense value to her. They didn't have a lot of money when she was 16, so it wasn't the monetary value that gave it its value. It was precious because there were no others like it. Now that ring has now been passed down to me and I class that as my treasure. It's one of a kind and could never be replaced. Treasure can be and quite often is money or jewellery. But these are limited in availability because once they're gone, it's very hard to replenish that stock. But there are other things in life that we should regard as being precious or our treasure. Things that are limited in availability, things that won't last forever, and things that cannot be replaced. These things may not be valuable to other people, but to us, they are priceless. A good husband or wife, godly parents, no amount of money can buy those things. So when we're privileged enough to possess these, they become our treasure, our most precious belongings. But did you know that our time is a precious treasure? We don't know how much time we have on this earth. And when it's gone, it's gone. You can't get a refill. And because of this, we need to use our time wisely. We need to prioritise our time and use it well. How many hours do we spend on social media when we could be doing something better with our time? I know I am guilty of that one. How many hours do we spend watching TV when we could be doing something better with our time? We need to be careful how we invest our treasure of time because it won't last forever. One of Rick Warren's quotes says, when you give someone your time, you are giving them a portion of your life. Our time is our treasure. Now a wise investment of that treasure, well just look where we are this morning. We've all given of our time to be here today. Time is precious and when you work all week and the weekend is the only free time that you get, there are plenty of other things that we could be doing on a Sunday, but we have chosen to invest our time wisely and be in the house of the Lord. Not everyone chooses to invest in their time in this way. Others choose to cut the grass, catch up on some sleep, do some shopping, catch up with their soaps, but we need to invest our time wisely because our time is a treasure. Another treasure is our finances. Money is not easy to come by. And unless you come from a rich family, most of us have to work hard to pay the bills and to eat. And it's hard going. My grandfather always said to us, if money is just handed to you, it won't mean very much. But if you have to work for that money, it will mean a whole lot more. So when we work hard and build up that little pot of money, our, our finances become precious to us. They are a limited resource, and once that pot of money is gone, it takes a long time to build that pot back up again. That is why we need to invest our finances wisely. A wise investment, well, where are we? 
investing in God's work, our local church, our tithing, helping those less fortunate. We're reminded in Matthew 25 and the parable of the talents, the bags of gold, where the first man is given five bags of gold, the second is given two, and the third is given one bag of gold, all according to their ability. The first and the second invest their gold as instructed, and both of them double their amount of gold. But the third doesn't do anything with this. He doesn't take what he's been given and invest it as instructed. He buries it and gains nothing. In fact, he forfeits his one bag because of his disobedience. Matthew 25, 29 reads, To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Sadly, we can forget that everything that we have is provided by God. We need to invest wisely in our finances. Another treasure is our families. Now, anyone that has children or has been involved in a child's life in any way will know what I'm talking about when I say, in the blink of an eye, a young baby has gone from a cute little thing to a young, attitude, a young adult with sass and attitude. My babies are 23, 19 and 17. Boy, do I feel old. We need to spend time with our children because they grow up so fast. My eldest will qualify as a vet next year and he's already talking about moving out and getting his own place, much to mother's displeasure. The time where all the chicks are in the nest is limited because they don't stay small for long. Invest in the time that we have with our children and our spouses because both are precious. A wise investment within our family. Bring them to church. Pray together. From as far back as I can remember as a child, we always went to church as a family. We always held hands as a family and prayed before we ate in the evening. That, that was my parents making a wise investment in their children. And that is why I do the same with my children today. Ensure that God is allowed to be present in the home. Fill them with Jesus before the world fills them with the world. Make sure that when children do fly the nest, that seed that has been sown in their lives can never be taken away. Not even by the world. Our families are our treasure. Think, think of things that are most valuable to you. Is it money? Is it a job? Is it your time? Well, have you ever thought about an ability that we all possess? The ability to change how others think or feel. That is our influence. This is something that we probably never think about, and we certainly wouldn't think of it as one of our treasures. But never underestimate how greatly you can influence another human being both positively and negatively. There will have been people with, who have greatly influenced you throughout your life. I know in my life there have been so many, some negative ones that I've chosen to learn from, and some positive ones 
by people that are still with us and some that have been promoted to glory and received their reward in heaven. People the same as you and me, just ordinary people that have left lasting impressions because of their devotion to Christ. That Sunday school teacher that told us how much Jesus loves us. Thank you, Lord, for kids' workers. The pastor who prayed with me as I committed my life to God. That mentor or friend that encouraged us when we felt like giving up. Those saints that have gone before us that altered our course, that influenced us, that changed our lives. Devotion to Christ leaves a lasting legacy. But how can we invest our influence? Be the people that God called us to be. Be an encourager. Stay humble. Be kind. Mirror Christ-like qualities for the world to see. Colossians 4 verses 5 to 6 says, Be wise in every way you act towards outsiders. Most of the, make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Showing the love and compassion of Christ to everyone that we meet. Now that's a wise investment. But let's just park that thought there for a moment. And let's just read again what Ida read for us really lovely this morning. It's from Matthew 26, 6 to 13. So it says, while Jesus was in Bethany in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor will always have you. You will always have with you. But you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. We're told in Matthew, Mark and John of the story about how Jesus is in the town of Bethany. This is just before Jesus meets with his disciples for the Last Supper. And he has been invited to eat in the home of a man called Simon the leper. Now right from the outset, this is a story in itself. The host of this party is called Simon the leper. He wouldn't have been called Simon the leper unless he had been affected by leprosy. Having this disease would mean that he was an outcast, would have had no friends, and there is no way that that crowd would have been at Simon's house that day if he still had leprosy. So already this story is amazing. A man healed from a terminal disease and who is now entertaining people in his own home. We know that Mary, Martha and Lazarus are all there along with the disciples. We have Jesus and his disciples sitting at the table eating the food that has been prepared for them. When along comes Mary, the sister to Martha and Lazarus, 
She takes her little bottle of expensive perfume and anoints Jesus with it. Some say head, some say feet, possibly both. No one else got this treatment, only Jesus. Mary anoints Jesus with perfume, but this is not perfume like what we would think of today. This is not your Christian Dior or Dolce & Gabbana or Chanel number no. five. This is a bottle that we are told is worth around a year's worth of wages. This is perfume that is so precious, so expensive, that it is kept in small bottles or little vials around the neck for safekeeping. This may have been handed down to Mary from the generations before, an inheritance perhaps. It is her treasure. Because once that perfume is gone, it is gone, never to be replaced. Yet Mary comes to Jesus, breaks the seal on her little vial, and she invests her life savings by anointing Jesus with it. This was the ultimate sign of humility. She had such respect, love and honour for Jesus that she gave her treasure to him. She was willing to sacrifice this expensive perfume for him, knowing that she would never get that perfume back. She gave it willingly. Well, the disciples, they are flabbergasted. They can't believe what has just happened. I can imagine the disciples' eyes widening, the jaws dropping, maybe a few gasps in the room, hands maybe flung up in disbelief. Jesus, how can you allow this to happen? What a waste. What are you thinking? We could have sold that perfume and used it to help the poor. The disciples are left in utter shock at what has happened. But Jesus softly says to them, she has done a beautiful thing for me. The poor will always be amongst you, but I will not. And then he says, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. So here we read about a woman, a woman named Mary that has left lasting impressions on Jesus, on his disciples, and on every reader every, ever since. Devotion to Christ leaves a lasting legacy. Now let's think about Mary's treasure, this alabaster jar that we read about in verse 6. Let's delve a little deeper into the significant role that this little jar plays in the bigger picture of our church today. <coughs> Let me just give you a very short history lesson. Very short. In 1948, the Reverend Elizabeth Venom, who was a global council member in the Church of the Nazarene, was asked to think and pray about a challenging project for Nazarene Missions International, NMI. She knew that if it was God's will, that God would provide. And after some time, she believed that God was prompting her towards doing love gifts within the church, giving a financial love gift to the work of the church. As she began to develop this idea in her head, it became clear that these love gifts that she was thinking about were modeled on and prompted by the story of the woman who sacrificially gave her treasure, her expensive oil from her alabaster jar, Mary. Reverend Venom met with the council and explained the alabaster plan to them 
and at the next meeting the very first alabaster or love gift was given in 1949. These funds were to be used exclusively for the building of houses, schools, medical facilities and churches. You see, alabaster is sacrificial giving from God's people to extend God's kingdom around the world. When we give to alabaster, we are not only building homes or schools or churches, we are investing our treasure for the furtherance of God's kingdom here on earth. Every Nazarene church in all six world areas invests in alabaster. Each gives sacrificially and each invests freely for the same purpose, for the furtherance of God's kingdom. When we give to alabaster, we're not only building houses or schools, we're teaching children to read. We're uniting with believers of different cultures around the world. We're housing missionaries so that they can share the good news of Jesus across the world. And we're providing the means for people's lives to be transformed because of our devotion to Christ. So what Mary did that day at Simon the leper's house, the way that she gave of her treasure is leaving a lasting legacy in our world. We are, in call, we are called to invest our treasure, whatever treasure that may be. It could be our time. It could be our influence. It could be our finances. But we need to invest what God has already given to us. Alabaster celebrates its 75th year this year. That's 75 years of Nazarenes all across the world who sacrificially give back a portion of what God has already provided to them. So that others may have the same relationship with God that we do. Investing our earthly treasures for our eternal reward. A wise investment? Absolutely. Matthew 25, 29 says, To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And they will have an abundance. But for those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. What is our treasure? What do we have that is maybe time sensitive and won't last forever? No matter what aspects in our life, we need to ask ourselves, am I investing wisely? Am I looking at the bigger picture here? And am I following Mary's lead? Mary left a lasting impression on Jesus, on his disciples, and on us. She gave what she had. She could have simply washed his feet with water, but she didn't. Instead, she used the most precious treasure she had, her bottle of perfume. Mary teaches us to give the Lord our whole hearts and our whole lives. We're called to pick up our crosses and to follow Jesus. And in Matthew 16, 24, it says, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Mary denied herself of her most valuable possession and gave Jesus her everything. Do you remember that little chorus? I sang it last week in Albert Bridge Congregational. It's he that believeth, he that believeth, hath everlasting life. He that believeth in the Father and the Son, hath everlasting life. 
When I get to heaven, going to walk all around, have the everlasting life, going to sit by my Saviour and put on my crown, hath everlasting life. What the world has to offer us is nothing compared to what Christ offers if we invest in him. Mary invested in Jesus. Will we? I pray we will. Let's close this morning by singing a wonderful hymn. I'll invite the praise team to come along. It serves as a remembrance that everything that we have comes from the Lord and that obedience to his word and investing wisely will lead to greater things. Let's sing together. Thank <clears throat> you.